Hello, parents. Welcome to the Masterful Parenting Podcast. I'm Ann Alvarez, parent coach, school counselor, and mom of two. Do you struggle with your relationship with your kids because you carry childhood pain? Do you get triggered by your child's behavior, become irrational, and maybe even yell at your children? Maybe you want to be a better parent, but you don't know how. Instead of repeating old patterns, you want to heal your pain, become more aware of your child's needs, feel connected to your kids, and learn the tools to communicate better so you can truly enjoy your parenting. If you are ready to heal your childhood pain, raise healthy, connected, and happy kids, and end the cycle of parenting with pain, then join me. Our kids deserve it, and we can do this. Let's go. Welcome, parents, to the Masterful Parenting Podcast. I am super excited today because we have Christopher Mahan. He is the author of a book, and he has a lot of experience with teenagers. Welcome, Chris. Do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and it's so great to be here. Yeah, my book, if you can see it, is Parental Leadership. You get it up here on the camera. Seven Principles to Lead Your Teen in the Digital Age. And this book has taken 10 years to write. I have everything in here that I've been dealing with for the last 10 years with kids from uh, self-harm to motivation to uh, helping parents become better leaders for their kids today so that the communication stronger. And my whole intent with this book is to build the relationship between parents and teens and well beyond into their adult years with their with their children. That's amazing. Amazing. Okay. Let's start with the first question. Um, How can we as parents uh, help our children so that they don't become victims and they don't do self-harm? That's a great question. I actually talk about that in the book. And one of the biggest things is the labeling that we have put on kids over the years or last probably 15, even 25 years where you have the the bully and the victim and, and they both live in that, that, Uh, idea of what they are, how they're supposed to respond. And a lot of times parents today don't realize that they're even doing it because society says, oh, your kid has ADD or ADHD or is this or that. And they begin to live in that label, that definition, that label. And it's very hard for kids to see themselves outside of that definition. And it, it hurts them because when life hits them, their immediate reaction is, oh, I can't do that. Or their parents will say, my son or daughter can't do that. So as they get older, they become victims to this idea that they're not good enough or not worthy enough for something. And that's what hurts so many kids' self-esteem, their motivation, and their self-worth well pe- well past their teenage years. Yeah, exactly. So the labeling, they, they label themselves, right? And, and well, the parents labeling- do it. Parents will do it. And then they'll say, my kid has ADD or ADHD, or my kid's depressed, or my kid has social anxiety disorder, and the schools do it. And then they they live in that label of what is defined by that specific uh, diagnosis, if you will. And this sets kids up to fail. They become in a, in a fixed mindset, not a growth mindset. And Dr. Carol DeWick does an amazing job of describing all of this in her book called Mindset which I quote her in this book and talk about that. And so when it comes to victimhood, we've almost created this, this acceptance that kids are just limited and we, we foster that in a negative way. Then when the kids become um, 
doubtful of their own abilities, their own their own um, strengths. Um, we then say, well, oh, that's just because my kid has or my kid is, and they we we shut them down. So they become victims to not only themselves but to other people because of this early labeling, this negative labeling that we put on them through society, and and um, it's a horrible thing. Yeah. So we have we as parents we have to be aware that we're not labeling them and that we're not limiting them, right? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Every kid has strengths and weaknesses. We all do. Um, but we need to strengthen their weaknesses, enhance their, their strengths, and let them find out what their opportunities are. And then, you know, work on that versus just having them locked in this little box, if you will, of of where we think they're supposed to fit. And it has become so common and so normal in today's society that parents just think, well, that's just what we're supposed to do. And then when a kid becomes 18 or 19 or 20 years old and they're too afraid to get a job or move out of the house, then the parents start to question the kid and a whole nother set of problems start at that point. Right, right. Okay, so we have to be really mindful of um, how with the messaging that we're giving our children that we're 100%. not labeling them, that we're not limiting them, right? Right, and then 100%. How do, how do we deal with um, self-harm and and and? preventing teenage suicide. Well, uh, that's another thing. Years ago, I started a nonprofit called uh, Crazy 8 Freedom down here in Florida to combat teen suicide. We lost over 12 kids in this area in that school year of uh, 2012 through 13, right in there. And some of the cases were were nationally known, others were not. But I had over 15 conversations post-suicide with parents about their kids. It's a horrible conversation to have. And one of the things that we always talked about was the parents knew something was going on, and but they didn't want to face it. They didn't want to look at it or or address it. So as time went by, um, they ignored it. And then the kid would lash out, whether it was through self-harm, through cutting or behavioral issues or just becoming you know incredibly uh, withdrawn. So one of the things that parents can do is, you know, be aware, again, be mindful of what your kids are doing. There are classes, there are uh, so many resources out there today to help parents uh, know what science to look for and know how to have these hard conversations. I talk about hard conversations in my book, but if you want more resources from you know local hospitals, local um, areas where you live, there's so much out there because we're all trying to help these kids today. And you can find resources through local hospitals, your schools, um, national organizations, and there's um, information on how to have these conversations, you may not like what your kids are going to say and you may not like what you hear, but it's a heck of a lot better to have that conversation than to speak about them in past tense. Like I've heard of so many parents do um, have that conversation, talk to them, be open to what's going on with them. It is a different time today in digital age. And we have to be aware of that as parents to help our kids. I totally agree. I, I, in my work with parents, I find parents are really struggling with how to have these tough conversations. And uh, I, I give them the words, you know, first, like we have to touch our kid's heart. And then when we're having these conversations, we can't be judgmental. We right. have to really make sure that we're open to hearing whatever they have to say, right? That's one of the hardest things for a lot of parents. Um I don't know if it's because they just don't want to face it or if they themselves went through it and they thought, well, I dealt with it as a kid and I can deal with it. 
or perhaps they just don't know how to deal with it. So they ignore it. And that is the worst thing you can do when, again, there's so many resources out there today where you can have someone come in and help you or to start that conversation. But the biggest thing as parents is we have to be that that um, leader to them. That's the whole point of this book is leading our kids to be successful. Teaching them how to advocate for themselves is probably one of the biggest things that so many kids say do not know how to self-advocate and tell people what's bothering them in a way that they don't feel judged or shamed or feel guilty and allow us as parents to listen to them because we all have emotions. We all have the same emotional needs regardless of age. We just have to be able as parents to hear that and put our own judgments aside and listen to our kids because uh, literally sometimes your life depends on it. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And then do you, are there some things that you know that are definite warning signs? Like uh, if kids are isolating themselves or if they, you know, they're self-harming. Um, what are some things that you know that are definite warning signs that we need to pay attention and, and have that conversation with our kids? One of the biggest things I talk about this in the book too, is immediate change of behavior. If you're seeing things that is really out of out of sorts for them, they're changing friends, uh, they're not wanting to be involved as maybe they used to be, or one of the biggest obvious things is the clothes that they wear. If they're self-harming, they're going to, you know, they're going to hide their sleeves or their, their, their arms. They're going to wear things that maybe, you know, down here in Florida, it's really hot today. So if you see a kid in all the kinds of heavy clothes, long sleeves, uh, maybe they're hiding something. Maybe they're just not wanting you to see what's going on with them. And really just knowing what's happening in their day-to-day life, having that, not to be like, you know, get in there and like go through all their stuff, but you have to have these conversations and let them talk to you, but also observe what's happening. Is their behavior changing? Is the way that they relate to other people changing? Are they uh, wanting to hide something? Are they sneaking off? Are they staying too much in the room and locking the door? If you suspect something like that, don't allow them to lock the door. Go in, sit with them, talk with them, ask them what's happening. And if you do find something where they're self-harming, don't attack them. That is a cry for help. It is truly a cry for help. This is when you want to go to a local uh, doctor or psychologist, someone and get local help with them before it gets too late. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's really, really great. All right, I want to talk about the issue of a, a weak father. Uh, what is oh. a weak father? Okay, I, I came up with a weak, I came up with change. this. It's in, it's in chapter six, okay? And a weak father, a weak father is a dad that is a, gener- it's a generational curse, okay? So as men, we are not allowed to show emotion. We're not allowed to express ourselves and only the ways that we can is usually through anger, okay? And there's a great song out right now by Dax, D-A-X. It's called To Be a Man. It is, I heard it the other day for the first time. It, it absolutely encapsulates the idea in this book about what it is to be a dad and a weak father. A weak father is a person who feels worthless. They're emotionless. They are absent. They might be in the room, but they're emotionally not in the room with everyone. They get angry very easily. Like they're just, they're just set off and their, their actions sometimes look like children. So the worthless, uh, emotionless, angry kid, that's the weak father. 
in the book, I have some little questionnaires and some different things that, that can uh, allow dads to go, hey, I do this or I don't do that or boy, this really is me. Because we want to break this curse where boys to then men and you know young men feel like they cannot talk to anyone, that they can't say how they feel. And this is coming out more and more today with men uh, as we talk about mental health, different things. In the song by Dax, D-A-X, it's an amazing song really in that four minutes encapsulates everything that I put in this chapter. But it's not only through this song in my book, it's in a lot of things. We're talking about this now, finally, where weak dads are these guys that just, they don't know how to be themselves around their own family in this. It's generational. So how they behave, their sons are going to behave. If they don't help their daughters, their daughters are going to find a guy just like them. And so this, this bad behavior, this lack of emotion, lack of care, it it carries over. And then the guys turn to alcohol, drugs, or they just leave. It's a terrible thing, actually. We really need to start talking about men's mental health, especially when it comes to the family. Yeah, I, I love that. Like you're you have boys. Yes. And please. and and I have I'm a boy mom. I have two boys. And I'm so aware of of this, of changing this as a parent. Um, allowing my children to really truly express their emotions and that all of their emotions are good. Um, very and I think, right. Is that, is that not how we change the generations of men? It, it is. And again, this is something that when I wrote the book, I started 10 years ago, I was studying the family from about 1900 to present and generationally different things have happened, but overall the, the ability for men to actually express themselves in a nonviolent or non-angry way has been been shunned. You know, if you if you act that way, then you're you're not a strong man. You're not masculine, right? And and now we got this whole masculine, uh, what toxic masculinity is bad and everything. I'm not saying that guys should go out and be all like whatever rough and whatever, but you have to be able to be a person and express yourself fully. That means the full range: happy, sad, upset. Uh, concerned when guys can't do that or people don't recognize when a guy's in that situation, that's when he really starts to withdraw. And that's when he's not the best dad he can be, the best husband he can be. And this is something that we really have to focus on for our younger generation so we can break this generational curse. 100%. I I, I like the song. I, I listen to the song. It, oh, it good. spoke to me. Yeah. And- I totally, I totally agree. Um, all emotions are good and they need to be expressed. Right, uh, right. And especially with, with our young men and boys learning, growing up saying, it's okay to cry. It's okay to get upset, to get angry, to get frustrated and learning how to communicate that right in a healthy way. I think Absolutely. It's so, so important. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm a, a 70s, 80s guy. We didn't talk about that stuff when I was a kid. And when my folks went through divorce and yeah, I just wasn't I wasn't even allowed to say the word divorce. I mean, I, me- I remember one time I asked and I was pretty much put in my place. Like I couldn't mention that word. So I was made to believe very early, whether directly or just, you know, just what happened, that I couldn't talk about certain things. So if, if things were bothering me, I just had to bottle it up and you know, I turned to basketball as my outlet. I didn't do anything crazy, but it it did emotionally stunt me a lot. And yes. it took me many, many years to realize that now I'm at 56 years old. I'm finally realizing that, boy, for 40 some odd years, I was thinking all kinds of crazy stuff that wasn't true. 
And so I'm trying to help my sons who are 21 and 19 realize that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to have emotion. And, you know, it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you a bad guy. It doesn't make you, you know, feminine, whatever these negative things that we say are because you're human. And both my boys are going to the military. And I've told them, I said, when you guys, when you come out, I don't care what you see or hear, you talk to me. I don't want you to become a statistic. And, um, you know, that's, that was a real hard conversation to have the reality of where they're going, uh, the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, I wanted them to know that it's okay to come to me, come to their family, come to their mother and, and tell us, Hey, I'm, I saw some bad stuff. I'm really upset. It's okay. And that's, that's important. That's so amazing. That's so, so, so good. Oh, thank you so much, Christopher Mahan. I want actually to give you some time to uh, tell parents where they can find you, uh, where they can find your book. Um, and and maybe you can give a plug into your podcast as well. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Well, my book, my book is on Amazon. It's on uh, Barnes and Noble. It's on Google Books. It's on Apple Books. And a couple others, but mainly uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And it's been out just for a couple months, but it's been 10 years in the making. I have a weekly podcast every Wednesday on Spotify called Lead Your Teen, as in teenager. And uh, it's a pre-recorded, so it's not a call-in, but I, we talk about everything from current events to different topics, everything to help the parent-child relationship become stronger. That's the whole focus of the podcast. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, which is uh, Lead Your Teen Podcast. It's on YouTube, and there's some videos on there, different things. And just every week, I'm trying to come up with something new and to talk about to help parents become aware of certain things, whether it's trafficking or what new drugs are out there they should be aware of, what kids are doing, to just what's happening in uh, schools around the country so that they can be aware of it. And then when there are issues within their family, maybe we can you know have a chat about how to address those things. So my podcast, Lead Your Teen, is all about the parent-child relationship and making it stronger. Wow, that's amazing. I love what you do, Christopher. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate um, I appreciate being on here. I really do. Thank you so much. And, and parents, I just want to do a little recap. I always like to recap. Um, so we have to be careful with labeling our kids because they internalize that label and then they see themselves as victims. We got to change their mindset about that. We have to be aware if there's any changes in their behavior or any anything that they're doing that's different. And then we have to have the tough conversations with them to find out what is going on. Be mindful of the warning signs. And if we want to raise strong fathers, we have to allow our boys to express emotion. So, so important that we say to our boys, emotions are all good. Tell, tell us, tell us how you're feeling about things. So yeah, that's the takeaway. Yeah, thank you so much. That's the takeaway, parents. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We will have Christopher on again, hopefully. Awesome. Soon. And uh, thank you so much, Chris. And um, parents, you know I love you. We will see you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you so much. Take care. If this podcast inspired, blessed, or changed you in any way, I would love for you to share this with your family and friends on your Instagram page and tag me at Masterful Parenting and join my Masterful Parenting Facebook page or DM me for more parenting support. 
and I will meet you here real soon. Remember, be relational with your kids and you will see a change. Love to all you parents out there. Let's change the world one parent at a time.